Today's date is April 21st, 2023, and this is episode 18. Hi, punks. Going to school, huh? Yeah. Why don't you play fish hooky and come fishing with us? Yeah, boy. They're sure biting. Get thee behind me, Satan, and don't push. <laughs> Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Now Jesus went to the desert 40 nights and 40 days. When he got tired and hungry, to his father he would pray. But the devil came to Jesus, said, If you want to be fed, why don't you turn these big old worthless stones to bread? Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, Get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Then the devil came to Jesus, through the devil up on top. And he said, if you are the son of God, you fall for this alone from A book of scripture says that angels will slow you falling down. And they'll gently put your feet back on the ground. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Then the devil gave to Jesus to a mountaintop to shove all the cities and the nations and the kingdoms here below and the devil gave told jesus you can have all that you see if you will just bow down and worship me get behind me satan jesus said get behind me satan jesus said get away from me satan jesus said you don't tempt the lord our god get behind me satan jesus said get behind me satan Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, he said, don't tempt the Lord thy God. Hello and welcome to this is an official godcast thank god it's friday my name is ron johnston and i'm here with flightworks mary and burke and <laughs> i heard the flamethrower you know what that means punky puster how you doing Good. Thanks for having me on. How are you guys doing? Very good. Very good. Glad to have you here. And Glad to be here. tonight, giving his testimony, our special guest, John Emerson, Jack the Bridge. 
Jack, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I got to unmute him. All right. Mary, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. good. I'm glad to be here. I wasn't going to be, but things changed. And I Can you hear me? Able to be here. Yes. Hi, John. Can you hear me? Hi, John. Yes. yes. How are yes. you tonight? Hello, brother. I'm fine. How are you? Very good. Ladies and gentlemen, John Emerson, the host of Jack the Bridge, another podcast here on Podbean here in our par in our Bards Nation family here. Uh, thank you for being with us tonight, brother. Well, thank you so much. As uh, I'm, I'm humbled, honored to be to be in the presence of people who are all on the on a journey, and um, I'm very thankful to uh, to have made to have made friends in in this really unfathomable way. Be, before really the last year, I, I really didn't think this was even a possibility as far as this virtual congregation concept. That's true. That's Can amazing. Uh, leaps and bounds. We've come leaps and bounds where we've been four or five years ago as far as communicating with, other, with each other and getting organized and, and uh, being together and, and, and building a sense of community here. The podcasts have really helped us out. Uh, Punky, I, I, your casting lots podcast is absolutely awesome. Your unschooling scholars, I absolutely love it. Um, John, Thank you're doing you. a great job with yours. Michael and Mary, I heard you guys have a podcast. It's absolutely fantastic. I love that one too. Yeah, Punky, it's really courageous what you're doing. And I respect sister. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, really, I had no intention of ever uh, homeschooling my kids, let alone doing a podcast. But uh, God had other plans for me. So here we are. <laughs> <laughs> That's clear. <laughs> and Mike, brother man, what's going on with you this week? Oh, same, same thing every week for me. Work and come home and work and go home and, you know, rinse and repeat. That's life. Got some singing in between there. A little bit of no, singing, a little I praising. I haven't touched my guitar probably in a, in a week and a half. Oh, man. Well, I think it's about time you did. Yeah. Well, he missed us at Good Friday. <laughs> he was doing a special for Good Friday. Uh, yeah, that's he, probably the last time I played, is it, actually. Huh? Oh, wow. Been really busy, but things are good. We're busy, but things are good. I'm, I got no complaints. Good. Mary, you've had a busy week? Yes. Very busy. You want to talk about yeah. our guests that we have coming up? Yes. Who's next week, Mary? We have Shemaine Nugent coming on next Friday. You're kidding April me. April 28th. Yes. Not kidding. That's incredible. So, I know it's going to be pretty, pretty cool to have her on. So she's um, got an incredible story to share. And we're very excited and very honored that she would um, come across to our little piece of the pond. So, Yeah, as you know, she's uh, married to my Uncle Ted. Yeah, I know. I heard that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if she knows us, but we're related. She's actually my aunt and Mike's oh, as well. Cause Mike's a Michigan boy too, born and bred. That's right. 
Yeah. There you go. Every Michigander, Ted is our <laughs> uncle. Yeah. That's why they call him Uncle Ted. For the listeners who didn't know that, Ted Nugent's from Michigan. He's the Motor City Madman. But if you are from Michigan, Ted is your uncle, and we all call him Uncle Ted. So, yeah, I don't know if Shemay knows this or not, but we're related. It's really cool. So she's <laughs> going to be here next week. Love we call it. him Uncle Ted, too. From the Shemaine <laughs> Show. And uh, she's amazing. She's getting kicked off of social media all over this place because she just loves talking about Jesus and the truth. And most people don't want to hear about that. So, so yeah, there's only a few places you can catch her. <laughs> Podbean's one of them. Right yep. here on Podbean. And next Friday, you can catch her right here. What's next? Should we get an opening prayer going? Yeah. Get right into it. Okay. Mike, will you lead us in prayer? Yes. Thank you, sir. Lord, thank you again that we can come here and hear another testimony. Thank you for John and his willingness to come on tonight. Pray, Lord, that you would bless him, prepare him, his heart, prepare our hearts and our minds, Lord, to receive what you've done in his life and maybe it be encouragement to us, Lord. And we're just so thankful for Jesus Christ, our Savior, Lord. There's so many people that that don't know you, that think they know you. Maybe they, they believe in that there is a God, but they they don't know you personally, Lord. We pray tonight that that would change. Tonight would be the night that they would they would receive you. They would understand the gospel, and it would be clear. And you would be lifted up, praised, and um, glorified. And that their lives would be changed. And it would they would live a life that's productive for your kingdom. Because we were we were created, Lord, to to serve you, not ourselves. We weren't created to um, just build a family and go to work every day and and to punch that clock and get a paycheck and and work hard so we can have a two-stall garage and a nice home. We were created, Lord, to serve you, to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ, to lead others to him. And we can put off, help us, Lord, just to put off the worldly things that are around us, all the distractions, all the things, Lord, that we see on TV, we hear on the radio, um, that we see in real life as we're walking around. There's just so much going on, so many news stories that distract us, that pull us away, that just take our focus off of you. Tonight, Lord, from this point forward, I pray, Lord, that you would be the focal point of our life, that we would trust you, that we would live for you and glorify you in all things that we say and do. We are nothing without you, Lord. There is no no other gods beside you. You are the one and only God who created everything that we see, everything that we feel. Lord, you are the most holy. Um, we just pray, Lord. I know I've said this 14 times already, Lord, but you are the one who needs to be praised tonight. We need to bring glory to you and to you only. And we pray that this happens tonight and that there's anyone out here listening tonight or in the future, Lord, that does not know you, we pray, Lord, that they, through this podcast, um, 
they would receive <clears throat> you, your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Welcome. I kind of wanted to also mention that if anybody has any uh, prayer requests that they can, um, during the testimony, they can go ahead and tag me and uh, I'll make a note of it and we'll address that when we have our closing prayer tonight. So. Thank you, Mary. Okay, John, we're going to hand the mic over to you. The floor is yours, brother. We are excited to hear about your story and your life. And, um, and well, thank, thank you, you so much for being here, brother. Thank you, brother. And uh, again, it's, it's my pleasure. I'm, I'm humbled to have the privilege of sharing this story. And um, it's a little uncommon. And it's, it's, a, I'm going to keep it as, as close to rated GPG as I can. There are, there are a couple of points in my life that, um, that have been challenging that I, that I still, that I still work on, uh, that I, that I still have in my inventory that I still have a cyclical, um, struggle with on occasion in any event. I was, uh, I'm, I was born, you know, I, I know that you know, I'm not, I'm a paganist. Okay. But you, you know, if you, if you live this life, you've seen, you know, about astrology, you know, that maybe you have some traits that, uh, that typify what the, and, and have something to do with your time of birth. And I can tell you that I'm born, I'm a born and bred Gemini that I've become I've got more best friends, had more people that called me a best friend and that I've called a best friend um, than, than so many people I know. I, I've, I've had the fortune, and some of these people haven't been so great. <laughs> some of them have been the tempters in my life. And others have been phenomenal um, people, uh, people who are entrepreneurs, uh, people who some had faith, some just had raw uh, chutzpah and ingenuity. And one or two of these people who I keep with, uh, keep up with, I, I, I attempt to bring closer to God as as I have become. And and just to just to lay this out, I was adopted uh, right after I was born. I was born. The summer of love, the real summer of love, 1967 in New York City and uh, to an unwed 19 year old girl. Uh, I, I found out her name. I found her name out about two years ago, honestly. And um, and if I ever speak with her, I, I will thank her. And I will thank her for the sacrifice that she made in putting me up for adoption immediately because she, she, I learned that she didn't feel as though she was mentally, emotionally capable and, and, um, unwed. And my biological father was just a year older 
And evidently he was uh, in the service, in the military service, was going off probably to Vietnam any minute. And uh, she was a fashion student in the city and a waitress. Anyway, within five months of that date, just a couple days before Thanksgiving, I was brought home to my adopted parents and my brother, my older brother, Scott. And uh, I, I, I guess I was received pretty joyously and um, to, to most people. But of course, my brother, Scott, he, he really had a very hard time with it, you know, because it was evident that uh, he, he was the only one in his house for the longest time with my parents. And um, I came back, I came in just this little bundle, you know, and uh, he couldn't help but resent that. And uh, Scott's a really brilliant guy. Just getting to my parents before I go into who my brother Scott is. Uh, my father was a really uh, hard, dark, the oldest soul I've ever known. As I as I said, it's uh, when I gave his eulogy about eight years ago. Um, <clears throat> he was born in 1930. He. He had a resolve about him and a stoicism uh, and faith, not necessarily extreme kindness. This guy wasn't going around shaking hands all the time and trying to make friends, but he was a phenomenal um, stalwart kind of anti-hero of a guy. He was a plainclothes cop on an organized crime task force in Brooklyn, New York. He started working there about 1962. He was a Korean War vet. Um, and he was plain clothes, a plain clothes special agent, detective, all these little things. I even find little letters I wrote to him when I cleared out some of his belongings when I was a little kid. Um, anyway, my father over time, just to, just to understand the darkness in his heart. And unfortunately, this is becoming a more common thing. But my father didn't share this often. And he didn't tell me till I was maybe 10. And I was all alone with him. And my parents were about to get divorced. And my father said, John, never, ever blame yourself. If someone tells you they're going to do something and they don't keep the word, that's never your fault. And I went around and around with him. He was taking me down to Pennsylvania where he had been born. And, uh, and we walked out and, and, <clears throat> you know, I knew my grandmother and my grandmother was on her second husband. His, his mother was on her second husband. Well, I said, well, what do you mean, dad? I said, well, you, we're going to go see your grandfather. And we went, to this, we went to this grave, like under this tree in this old graveyard just outside of Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. And my father said to me, huh, look at that. It's caved in. Yeah, he didn't, want, he, he didn't want any money going into that box. And he was talking about his father's coffin. Uh, my father, on his way home, he grew up real, real fast, let's say. And when he was almost, he was just barely 13 years old, he came home, met his mother on the way uh, 
back on the walk uh, up into their house to find his father had just taken himself out on his favorite lazy boy with a 32 caliber pistol. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. And, and so that, that made my father kind of a different kind of dad and a different kind of person. And um, he was certainly nobody that anybody was going to even think about calling the cops on because he was the cops. And he also um, wasn't going to take any kind of crap from anyone in the academic world. Uh, anybody who was uh, anyone who, who, who he perceived as being any sort of uh, threat to anyone close to him. Um, and, you know, he, he never, he ne my father and I never had a real altercation into my adult life, but I witnessed several with he and my older brother. And uh, I was just not old enough to get involved unless I would, were to use like a, some kind of bat or something to get in the middle of it at 11 or 12 years old. Anyway, um, that, that was him. He was also the president of the board of trustees in the last couple of churches. He was in only two real churches for life. One was a Presbyterian church, first Presbyterian in, in New York, uh, in Long Island. And he became his vice president and then president. And he and my stepmother actually went back and forth between those positions soon after my parents divorced. You know, with these churches, when there's a split up, usually one parent remains if the family's going to remain with the church at all. So what that became for me was that my mom moved across Long Island and moved in with a guy who became my stepfather for several years till she got, till she sent him on his way. Um, and my stepfather really, I, be, I believe that he, that he prayed <laughs> that he'd find, that he'd find the, the absolute perfect woman for him. And the, the, his second marriage after 23 years of his first marriage, his second marriage truly was the love of his life. Uh, it didn't make her nice either. Oh. Um, but, uh, anyway, so what I had was this kind of dual life that there is this house that my father and stepmother had was very, very regimented, cool. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't like I could hang things on the walls in the bedroom I stayed in when I went there. It was kind of like I was staying in a hotel every weekend. Whereas, uh, I moved across with my mother to a more artsy type of community and um really really a neat place uh on on the other side of long island near the water and uh getting back to my who my mother was she had married my father very young she he was 25 she was 17 or 18 and he met her after he got back from korea and um my mom was a very nervous person, highly, highly intelligent. And she's remains, she's, she's a, she's an 85 year old retired social worker who still has a practice of her own. And, uh, she's a wonderful person for people to talk to, although she admits and <laughs> repents that certainly she's had, uh, she's, she's had her times, she's had her trials and, and, um, 
you know, through, through my father was my, my grand, my grandfather was my father's stepfather. He was a minister. His name was Herman. Reisig was his name. He was a congregationalist minister emeritus at the time of his death back in the mid eighties when I graduated from high school. One of the most significant, the most significant first decision I ever made on behalf of my whole family was that my grandfather had died and, um, and right around, he died on father's day and in June. And I was going to, it was either we go to my high school graduation or John gets to make the decision that the whole family is going to go to his grandfather's funeral or not. And, um, the fact that my father even told his stepbrothers that, 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 that he put that in my hands. And of course, yes, I was going to my grandfather's funeral. And, um, but, but, but I don't believe that my father ever spoke with his stepbrothers again in the, in the next 40 years of his life. 35 years of his life or so. Um, because uh, anyway, uh, when this man died, he, he was, he was a really brilliant, brilliant guy. He'd actually even, he was a little controversial. He'd been kicked out of Princeton seminary back in 1917 for, uh, debating the concept of the immaculate conception. And he literally got thrown out and, uh, and he, and he did go, he did go back in and he finished in another seminary later on in his life. He was actually uh, given an honorary doctorate from Yale. Um, he, he was the international uh, moderator of the international church relations committee. And um, he was this gruff, old cantankerous old man. And, uh, but he had an incredible ability with words and he's the man who baptized me and he's the man who counseled me more than once. And actually I think it, he might be the guy who got me, got me drunk for the first time with a big goblet full of champagne at my father's wedding when I was 11. Anyway, it was funny for some people to hear it. Um, on, uh, there, there were other significant people on my, on my mother's side, there were, they were from the South really, even though she had grown up in New York. And so I had an aunt Bernice. She was one of my favorite people that ever was. And I'll come back to her. I'm going to get back to some numbers. And so I just wanted to mention her. Everybody's got a fat aunt. Well, she was a great fat aunt. And, um, since I've been in the Bard's family, her son, her son, Timmy, who was my cousin, uh, he was 13, 14 years older than me. He died back in December and, um, there were prayers about him. And, and I believe the guy, poor guy stroked out and, and died of a, I'm uh, sorry. I'm sorry. Funky, is there yeah. something you want to say? <laughs> Funky, you're about falling oh. out of your chair over there. What's going on? Talk to me, Punky. No, I'm just listening to you. I think she loved has that fat aunt. It, yeah. Just thinking about our aunts, John. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, well, yeah. I mean, it, they, it, my aunt Bernice was great. And uh, one of the last times she was with a whole bunch of friends of mine and at a party, she went to each one of them. She walked up to each one of them and, and told them that she was really glad they had, they had the opportunity to meet her, you know, and, uh, 
She was born in a farmhouse down in Kenley, North Carolina, and had was this courageous um, woman who raised her two sons, Timmy, one of them, and Kevin was the other one, by, by herself from the time those boys were four and five. Her husband, Jim, World War II vet, was working for the train for the train um, stations down in, uh, probably in Penn Station. He had a heart attack, died on his desk at 38 years old. So this woman, literally the last time I saw her, just a few days before she died, I went to see her in the hospital. And she said, you know, I met with Jesus out on that dock in Hampton Bays when I lost Jim and John. I walked out there. And I walked out on that dock and I asked God, I said, you just tell me what I need to do, how I'm going to do this with my boys. How am I going to raise them? Please help me do this by myself. Please give me the, the power and the strength to do this and guide me. And, and, you know, I could retell that story, but there are only so many people available to even think that there's any validity to that in these, this day and age. And, so some of even my best friends, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to talk to them about faith, but some of my, some of my really best friends, it's very, very simple and easy. Uh, as I just go one step further, my brother, Scott, seven years older than me, brilliant rivalrous, uh, recovered alcoholic Marine. And, uh, This guy trespassed into my life in so many ways. You know, he went and disappeared when my when my family split up, and I really kind of, and not long before he did that, you know, he was really angry about whatever, and um, he exposed me to some things. I really just, uh, I, I, I'm not even going to dis to describe them in much detail, other than to say. Um, it, what his, his, the way that he felt about people, the way that he felt about love is something that, that, that kind of bent the way that I looked at relationships beyond just seeing that my parents couldn't, couldn't really make it work. And, you know, it's a life, such a paradox here I am. And finally, um, my divorce, which I'll go into in a little while. It was, uh, 23, 24 years now, 24 years. It's finalized, but I walked out two years ago, just about, um, in any way, I, I, I do, I do forgive my brother. I do. And I didn't mention any of those verses, but I go through this. I mean, every year or two, I, ha I go through a period and it, it's hard and I pray. And, and part of the thing is my brother isn't, he's, he's Buddhist. As far as I know, he goes to ashrams. He takes a, a, an annual trip to India. He rebelled against when he went in, this, he had to say the Nicene creed when, when he was being confirmed. And I was a little kid. He used to have to stand behind him on a height, you know, on a chair and tie his tie for him because he couldn't pull that together. But he wouldn't say the Nicene creed. He didn't believe in it. And my father swatted him pretty good, you know, but uh, anyway, I, I, I learned 
I learned the hard way, but also there was something about my father that I, I, I having seen he and my brother just go at it. And my father always won. I mean, always, I don't know what the hell, what he knew, how quickly he could subdue my brother and literally throw him out the front door onto the sidewalk. And, uh, you know, watch my brother get up like a dog. And my brother, my father just told me, you know what, Scott, you, you come back when you're ready. Um, so, John, hmm. are, are you uh, are you the only believer in your family or, you, you know, you mentioned your brother being Buddhist, but um, did you? My, I'll tell you, my. Yes, I have two stepbrothers through my father's. There's four, four, but two stepbrothers through my father's second marriage but all are older. So I have another brother, Mike, who's actually closer to me than <laughs> almost anyone else um, in the family other than my mother. And my brother, Mike, is seven years older than me also. And he's actually done some work with me. And uh, he and I have really become friends. And he was very much there when my father was going through his hell of being, you know, suddenly realizing it was in stage four of lung cancer. And, uh, so my, my brother, my brother, Mike, he's, he's actually been down here working with me. He's worked with me up in New York. And, um, you know, back when I was still drinking, you know, you get just that late night thematic thing. And I would start for some reason going into biblical references and texts and he'd say, all right, that's enough for that Moses, you know, but, but, um, Mike, yeah, my two stepbrothers are actually by blood half Jewish. And um but they their father didn't accept it actually. And and he, he uh so they didn't raise they weren't raised with any orientation towards Judaism. They actually were raised and kind of active when they were much younger in the Presbyterian church, the same church that my father had met my my stepmother in. Um Really, beyond this, when my parents split up, one of the things, and, and this is something I wanted to mention, especially to Punky, is that I I wasn't so motivated to learn to um, to. I wasn't an academic kid. Whether I when I was younger, especially whether I, I could speak well, but when I didn't really learn to read until I was probably seven, and I, I could I could barely I could barely read. And then when I did start to read, it was really more in Bible school that we would read out loud and we would read old Bible verses and and. Um, but kind of what led to that was they had this thing in the early the early 70s where they let kids kind of learn at their own pace. And as my dad would say, you know, that was backwards. You know, this kid, this kid would be an idol or, you know, um, he he realized that John just basically wanted to learn about fighting and 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 having fun. I, I wasn't really interested and in, uh, in, in being any kind of spectator, honestly. Uh, so yeah, um, so you kind of were so a mix, really a mix of different faiths in your family. Then sounds like 
Yeah. Well, you know, I had just basically two different households that I lived out of and, and, and with my mother's household, there was this kind of looser thing. There was this, a little bit of a looser attitude, but my mother's solution was to pull, try to pull me out of sports when I didn't do so well in academics. And really all that did was have other friends that were kind of hanging out on the side that wanted me to party, you know, cause I was a pretty fun guy, I guess. And, um, but also there was this period, there was this period when I was about 11 years old into being 12 years old into really for a couple of years there, that were really hard that I really, really had to just resort within myself so much. And I really, honestly, I know I, I felt and believed in God and felt, felt God's presence and would ask, plead to help me get through this. And, and what I mean is there was just this really, I had made friends right away when I got to this new town and it was so cool. And, um, you know, when I was like helping like organize the, the, the touch football games, really tackle football games across the road in the mud after school. And, and I was making all kinds of friends. And, and what I realized is like one, of the, one or two of these friends were kind of enlisting me to fight other kids that they didn't like, you know. And it wasn't like I was particularly big or, or tough or mean, but, but I guess I was kind of. And I, guess I wasn't big, but I knew really well how to defend myself, having, having a big brother who literally – he inspired me to be stronger just just uh just by the way he beat the hell out of me and i had neighbors like that too you know the first time i i've always identified as a carpenter from the time i was a really little kid and the first time i went outside my house tried to build my own house i was like four and a half or five years old and i went out and i pounded all these long you know one by shelving wood really together, you know, that it was stacked up in our garage. And my dad was so p- upset, you know, he got home, John, I thought I told you not to use that wood, you know, and sorry, dad. And, you know, I had been pounding nails and, and, and for, for hours had my hand, my little hand was blistered, you know, and uh, he was kind of proud of me at the same time. And we had this old neighbor, Mrs. Brown, you know, she had this German accent, stop that banging, you know, yelling at me and uh i finally stopped the banging her son freddie brown was nice enough he didn't beat me up the next day you know he was four years older than me so i was kind of scared of him but uh anyway my father went out and he cursed and swore and pounded knocked that whole thing apart and pulled all the nails out of it and um but you know he didn't he didn't sweat me for that one he did he really didn't and um, I, I really sensed that he, he saw that I wanted to be in my own space, even at that age. And so where I'm going is that my father in seeing who I was, you know, and, and then after that, I think I got a pup tent when I was about six. And all summer, I'd sleep outside in a pup tent. Um, <laughs> was that I started, my father sent me to a Presbyterian, a summer camp upstate. And to me, that was just, beautiful to go up there to get away from uh suburbia you know my uh, we had little tiny backyards and little houses i didn't know it was because we didn't have a bunch of money i thought my father just didn't want to mow that much lawn you know <laughs> but, but uh 
But anyway, you know, and we, we'd meet with all these really crusty, hoity-toity people, and we'd go up and visit my grandfather at his church, and I, I really, I didn't realize, you know, what <laughs> what elitists all these old wasps were, you know, and, uh, but, but nonetheless, very soulful, kind people, and getting back to that, when I went to my grandfather's funeral, I mean, it was this full house, it was, it was so humbling and it destroyed me in a way it i broke my it uh, i was so taken aback to realize the love and admiration and the power of of the holy spirit and how these people embrace the way that my grandfather was able to share that with them and the people i would watch people cry after he preached but at his at that at that uh at that funeral celebration of his life, as they say, I was blown away because it was all interlaced with things he had written, you know, even the benediction, you know, like this whole go forth and wonder and just these beautifully put words. He literally wrote very much like Abraham Lincoln did, even had the same crappy handwriting, you know. Um, so anyway, the Presbyterian camp. I started to go there every summer. And then I, within three or four years of that, you know, I kind of eased into the whole CIT thing, counselor in training when I was about 15 years old. And from that, you know, they, they let me have a little independence. They, I got, I think eventually I got my lifeguarding certificate and um, they let me run this little thing, you know, on a, Hell, I was a late bloomer. I don't think I really needed to shave at all till I was about 19, you know. And uh, I was 15, 16 years old, 17, and they let me have this little frontier thing. And they let me build this thing with a little zip line. I mean, this is before insurance got so insane, I guess. But I was up there building obstacles and things to climb around up in the woods and having appointments. And, and these people, you know, this guy, amazing, these camp people were letting me just take the ball and, and run with it as long as I... I, I took care of business and, and, uh, you know, so as a 17 year old kid, you know, a year or two into this whole CIT thing, I, I was, God, I was going out at night, you know, sometimes coming back at two or three in the morning where I was sleeping, you know, and I'd have a CIT in there with the kids. I would get in there and grab my Bible. Oh God, I frantically put together eight or 10 note cards. Cause I'd have to have them ready for morning praise, try to find some random, you know, completely unprepared, but I go into this and write out, the, write out these little note cards for these kids who are some of them barely literate, you know, and have them get up there by seven in the morning. And, you know, I had this dual life, you know, I had this, this, uh, as long as I was respectful, you know, I, I could, I could go out and, um, I could have some independence and, this is where I learned so many songs, you know, the, the old down by the riverside and, uh, the Avery Marsh doxology and Johnny Appleseed and, and, you know, all these great songs that stick with you and, and, you know, the faster version of, and they'll know we are Christians by our love instead of like something that's remotely, you know, more like cats, you know, like, you know, you know, anyway. Yeah. And we know that all unity will one day be restored and they'll know we are Christians by our love. Anyway, sorry. I know, you know, my old man also used to call me Johnny one note. So I apologize. Mike, we oh, got a new closer, Mike. Memories. 
<laughs> so, Mike, we found our new closer. Um, He's going to give you the night off. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, if I grab my buddy from upstairs, that'll be different. And that's what brings me to, uh, I want to make especially, uh, uh, a, a special mention of my friend, James, uh, his name's he's, and you've heard some of his music. If you've heard any of my podcasts, I usually have one or two of his songs on them. And his name is James Frederick Frost. And, uh, I met Fred at the camp. Fred was uh, 28. I was 14 or 15. And uh, Fred was a preacher's kid. So were his brothers and sisters. Preacher's kids and cop kids. We get along and party like you're rock stars, let me tell you. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, Fred took me fishing one day. He's like, hey, I heard you got the day off. You know, he came by and picked me up. I got the canoe. Let's go over to Brown's Pond where nobody goes. You know, I got it. You know, and this is back when it was okay to have a beer at 16 years old. You know, um, and, uh, you know, for me, it's not good to have a beer any day anymore, but you know, a man has to know his limitations, right? Uh, you know, I was kind of raised from the school. How, how can you trust a man who can't trust himself with a beer? Damn it. You know, but, uh, anyway, so I kind of got through that. I, I, I went through the, the summer camp and, and that still remains a part of my life, but it's a little bittersweet lately given um, the rash of, of, of wokeism. And, you know, I, I really always tried to feel, and I always did feel as though just like family gatherings and our love for each other is an extended family. It's supposed to override these, uh, ridiculous, um, this ridiculous inventory taking for people or, or for issues that you don't really know anything about. And, and, and really, um, this, this need, you know, if anybody heard that, that read the red network, that one of the first podcasts that I, I put together, it was really cool. And it was based on this book that came out in 1934 and it literally outlines and talks about the spiritual warfare that was occurring 90 years ago and, and earlier and, and how that also, how that meshed with infiltrating churches and, and especially incredibly so the Methodist church. Um, and, uh, it's really mind blowing the, 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 the degree of infiltration and the pursuit of destroying not only the family unit, but destroying faith, destroying faith in God and in, in Jesus Christ. Um, Anyway, I moved on. I went to a Presbyterian college um, in down in Western North Carolina, and it was a work college. And my old, you know, my family loved that idea. And at this school, your work pays for your room and board. And there are 80 work crews on the campus. And uh, I started to work there. And I did, I studied English and economics, which really was the basis for me, not really becoming someone who got very involved in finance, <laughs> ironically. Um, uh, during, during my summers, I, I became, I started to go to work for a real carpenter and his name was uh, Frank. <laughs> Frank was a guy who became like a brother to me. 
And a few degrees of separation, you know, I, I had made friends with Frank. Frank's family had actually been in my buddy Fred's father's church. He was, he was their mister. And Frank, you know, one day we were driving around and, and he said, you know, Jay, you know, Johnny, uh, he's like, I, I love, I love Fred's family. They, his father saved my mother's life. And I said, how did he do that? He said, well, he, he, uh, he got her to stop drinking somehow, Johnny. I don't know what he said to her, but my father had just died. And, um, you know, but I got to tell you, I don't really believe in all this, John. I, we're about, we're about science. My family, my little sister, Jenny, she's going to be a doctor, John. She's going to be a doctor. And, um, we're really about the science. I, I thought it was really weird. And anyway, Frank gave me the first S wing hammer that I got. I think it was 19 or 20. It's still on my belt. 35 years later with a handle that's like worn shellac. There's metal sticking out of the rubber at the bottom of it. And, um, one of those, one of those things about people who, uh, who are really, really gifted and happen to be alcoholics. That's who Frank was. And so, you know, I was this cocky 19, 20 year old college kid and I would work and, and he and these guys, we would get to work and he'd say, Hey, Johnny, hand, hand me a beer, get us tall boys out of the cooler. And I'd be like, man, it's, it's seven, it's seven fifteen, you know, in the morning. Say, so, yeah, that's a ham, egg and cheese in a can. Just get us the beers, you know? And so I'd be like, Oh, I'm not drinking with you guys. You know, I'm not drinking while I work. Um, you know, so they go in, you know, go in and get me like a 99 cent soda and say, oh, this is your soda. Here's your, here's your drink for the day. We'll get you a sandwich later. Anyway, my buddy Frank was something else. And, uh, he, he definitely challenged me over the course of my life. And he, he was a, he was a very gifted carpenter and you know where this is going probably if you can hear my tone, but Frank waited, uh, I don't know, 17 or 18 years into my knowing him. And I, I even talked to his family about it. You know, this guy didn't want to lose any control. And, um, you know, the neat thing about Frank was he literally would give you the shirt off his back. You know, I just, for anyone who, who heard the reading of maybe 30, 31, 30, Jesus walking along, Jesus, Jesus dragging that cross and he collapses and drops it. Well, who picks it up? But Simon, the Cyrenian, the tavern owner, the drunk is the guy who's, who is there to drag Jesus cross when all his friends drop the ball. What betrayal. And here he was, this, this drunk was willing. And that's who my buddy Frank was to me in so many ways. And, um, we literally had it out one time, eight, eight, 10 weeks in and working for him. You know, he, he got physical with me one time and I, I had the opportunity to show him what a, what a little 160 pound wrestler can do to a 200 pound carpenter, you know? And, uh, it was great. And it was this, 
it was like we've heard, you know, some people talk about that dominance submission, whatever. And he was like, wow, JP, I knew once he got your mitts on me, all of a sudden I was in trouble. But you know what? Whenever you come back, you work with me. And so for seven or eight, ten years, I worked with this guy. I'd leave, go to go live somewhere else and come back. Anyway, one thing led to another. I took myself out west in an old Plymouth Valiant and um, went to Alaska and fished for a season. On the way back from there, stopped in Park City, Utah. And... God, you know, I, I made a deal with myself when I went out on that, that I was going to really, uh, harness my, my, um, my drinking and, uh, and I was able to do it. You know, I was able to tell people I'm not going to stay in town for the next party. I'm just going to go somewhere else. Anyway, one thing led to, to another and I, I lived in Utah on and off in Park City for several winters and I learned to custom fit ski boots and I pursued a career actually in pedorthics. I, I became someone who could make orthotics on prescription and I worked for this phenomenal inventor out in California named Tony Tadden. He's probably bought the farm by now. He's would be in his 90s. I haven't even looked to see if he's still alive. This is a guy who invented the harmonic co uh, computerized wheel balancer. And he, he devised the patent, to the, the idea of putting lead weights on the sides of wheel rims to make a body, to make a car run better. And he dev devoted the rest of his principles to applying his life to applying those principles to the human body. And with that, I got into foot orthotics through making them as a custom ski boot fitter. But anyway, rushing ahead. Over two years, I saw, by the time I was 28 and a half, 29 years old, I'd been every state in the country, including Alaska and Hawaii. I lived in Hawaii for a little while, and um, I had a significant friend girlfriend there and she was a little older and a few months into that that period over there that seven seven or eight months yeah i learned to surf and that was phenomenal and i i got the i got the handle on the aloha spirit in the oddest or most sadly serendipitous way but i had a roommate named michael and michael had his uh his sister and brother-in-law came over with their parents and they were coming over, they were from England and they had come over to have a great little vacation just before this young couple was about to get married. And I remember swimming us over at McKenna on the other side of where I lived. I lived in the Lahaina side, the Pili, and, and over on the Lahaina side of, of Maui. Um, let's see, Kihei, past there, McKenna Beach. We were, on, we were at this beach, and I saw this wave hit this guy square in the back, and I looked at him, and I was just terrified for him. And it's just like I had learned when I was really young. I said, you know what? Sean, don't ever turn your back on the ocean, brother. Just be really careful, man. This, this ocean will swat you. Well, two days later, and we had had dinner and, and got together, and, and I actually hadn't seen them for a day. I spent the night with my, my girlfriend at the time. And, and she got up and we had the day off and she said, let's drive around this one side of the island. 
And we drove all the way around. Maui's like a big figure eight. And we went up to these cow pastures. And then we went out to this place called the blowholes where, where the ocean has been slamming into the sheer face of the cliffs for obviously thousands and thousands of years. And, and it, it hits it so hard that it sends these geysers up every set wave, every 16th or so wave slam. And it sends like this 50 foot geyser up. And uh, Diane, my friend, and I were coming around the island and we looked over and we see this helicopter went whipping by us. You know, the terrain is really tight there. And we see the, whole, the, the same helicopter hovering, hovering, hovering. We look down and there's this place called the blowholes. And the way the terrain is, you can see it. It's a couple hundred yards away and we can see these few people standing around and this helicopter is lowering a, bas- lowering a basket into the water. And, uh, and we see it finally go in and a guy goes down and they get this body out of the water. They bring it up and there are these people, these four or five people standing there. Well, they're like a couple of football fields away and over different terrain. It'd be like, you'd have to be able to helicopter or mountain bike over there to where they were. So we got back in the car. It was like, Oh, that looks like a real tragedy. So we had been on this little nice little trip all day and I got around the island. I called my apartment, you know, the house I shared with Michael and this girl Lorraine. And his sister his sister answered the phone, Jeanette. She said, I said, is this seven six five four, whatever the last four numbers were? And she said, Yes. Is this John? I said, Yeah. John, there's been a tragedy. There's been a terrible accident. And I said, what, what happened? We were we were at the blowholes. And Sean was knocked into the water and he's dead. And uh, so I said, I'll be right there, you know, and we rushed over there. We rushed over to the house and yeah, it was like walking into a morgue with this poor family. We're so displaced. And, uh, you know, right away, I just kicked into like my business mode and uh, found my nicest golf shirt. After uh, we got together and we got together, interestingly enough, with this other family, which just lost someone. They had just lost a woman who was out swimming with her Labrador retriever, got eaten by a shark the day before. And uh, that was a really interesting little little visit. And there were prayers and there was a chaplain there and there was this whole Aloha spirit feeling. But um, from what I was told and, and what I was the, the correspondence that I had after, I guess I was extremely helpful in helping these people ground themselves going into the, literally going into the mortuary with them and telling them, let's, uh, let's pick up the pace and cut to the chase here. Mike, uh, let's get the cheapest coffin. This guy's got to be cremated when he get, gets back anyway. So I don't want you trying to mess around with this family. They're, they're already having enough of a hard time. And, uh, you know, with that, I, I decided there was a God was maybe showing me something. And I started to show Diane the two books I had with me. And one was the biography of my grandfather that was not a famous book, not a New York Times bestseller, but some dedication put together by parishioners. But nonetheless, about a man of, and, and about faith, about, about faith and love and um, pro, pro, some sort of prophesizing. And, and Diane said to me, she goes, you know, I'm not here to be with you all the time. I'm, I'm here to show you who you are. And um, 
And I, I don't, it was, uh, it was bittersweet. I, I left and I came back to the U S and, um, I so, decided to go with my life. Can I ask go you a ahead. question? So were you able to yes. share your faith with, with that family at the time? Yes, but I have to say, did, was there reference made to Jesus? Yes. Was there reference made to God? Did I, did, did I join with them and pray? Yes, but I, I got to tell you what, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't raised necessarily talking so much about faith or about evil. Um, but I did recognize, uh, I, I feel like that was something that God did show me. I don't know that I took the message the right way. And I came back. Um, I'll tell you, then I got, eventually got married, um, back, back in New York. And my search was because so many things were in place. I was doing many different things for work. I managed to get a caretaking position. I was still working for this company out of California and flying around. And, uh, I was also starting to build things on the side of my own. And I was barely 30. Anyway, I ended up shutting down on some of these other pursuits, uh, especially the, 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 the corporate type thing. And I, I pursued the, the carpentry and I, I married, I, I, I wouldn't be here where I am right now if I hadn't done all that I did. And I'm very thankful for, for what's happened in the course of everything, but I'll get straight to the beginning of my, my personal awakening began when I was about 37 and my wife and I just weren't getting along. I mean, it was really bad. And my daughter Cassidy has just been born a few months before. And I came home one day and, um, all of a sudden my, my wife had told me to come home and, uh, bring some Chinese food. And so I got to my, I got to the front of my house. I saw her car wasn't there and the cops pulled up the driveway and said, sir, you know, we, we know you, you complained that just to your lawyer, to someone that your wife is, you know, hitting you in your sleep and all these things. And, uh, you know, it comes back at you, my friend. So I'm sorry, you got to pack up all your stuff and move out right now. So. I shed a tear. Um, I was deemed sober enough to pack up all my things and drive away where I went into kind of a hovel of a place that one of my best friends at the time had let me move into and rebuild. It's been kind of a theme in my life. <laughs> I've rebuilt a couple things. Well, three months into that, yeah, I came back home. My little daughter, most beautiful thing I ever saw. I, I couldn't, I couldn't possibly stay away. And, um, all these these little these minuscule and contrived charges that were put against that my wife had with me and I had with her um, were put put to put to rest as they say, but that didn't make our marriage get any better. And, um, and this was a couple know, of years ago. Is that what you're saying? Well, I'll tell you. This is you know, it was. Um, 
I'll, I'll just fast forward here. Sure. I got turned on to four agreements, Don Miguel Ruiz, when I was about at that during that period. And it helped me to cope. The four agreements are simply this be impeccable to your word. Don't make assumptions. Don't take anything personally. And when you take, when you make assumptions, you will take things personally. So try not to do that and always be your best. And what that gave me was an awareness. It's a simple little 120 page book. And yes, he references Jesus Christ and knows Jesus as the absolute master. Um, but Don Miguel Ruiz is a Toltec. Toltec wisdom is based on um, shamanism, South American shamanism, knowing. Um, and one of the primary concepts to the tall text is metote. Metote is media. Metote, gossip, God sib, sister of God, God sibling. Um, the media, media is gossip on steroids. And what it helped me to do when I learned those four agreements was realize that, uh, that I was inconsistent in my life highly functional, always showing up and making it there. But um, nonetheless, there was something that was keeping me from being my best. It wasn't until a couple of years later, when I was 40, I went over a wave. I was at the beach, a little bit of a buzz on, but I, I wasn't out of control. And I went over the top of a wave, very cocky, not low, knowing my limitations and hit the top of my head so hard that um, I paralyzed my right arm, my, my, the whole, and my right side uh, was motor and, and um, sensory nerve was shot. And I'm a right-handed carpenter. And I ended up having to get a surgery for that. That wasn't something that prayer was gonna help me with. I really did try and I really did <laughs> Try to see if anybody could correct this thing, but it squashed two of the discs in my neck like a couple of grapes. And they go into my neck to pull two pieces out of my hip and make two little pieces into like little quarters and slide them into my neck, let those nerves slide through. And I was thankful. And I healed and I got stronger again in a couple of months. Um, I, I, it took me a long time to get stronger, but I still, I still wasn't, I still didn't, didn't get it. And do you mean you didn't get it about your faith? What, what I, what I still didn't get is the way it catapulted my life, the way that I lived, the way that I, the way that I was living my life, um, for one reason or another, <clears throat> no one had ever convinced me or even had the cur the courtesy or courage to tell me to maybe look, uh, go walk into one of the rooms, one of Bill Wilson's rooms, AA. So at 41 years old, I went into one after one of the worst fist fights I ever had in my life and um, with a good friend of mine. And uh, it was a brutal really bad thing to, to have to go through this with this friend. And we were drunk on the golf course and we had come back. And this is a guy who actually, we were act I was actively going to our church at this time. And, um, I don't know what it was, 
but he was kept grabbing at me. And I was, I asked him, I begged him. I said, look, we both have little kids and let's not fight, man. And he kept coming after me and we got into this brutal fight and it took a lot of while to, it took a long while to restore it the friendship and, and unfortunately that friend is um he's having a he's 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 still alive but he's one of a couple of different friends that i've had along the way as, as a builder you get these friends that uh they're great and you want to hire your friends and have them work with you but um there's this partying element to it and and i really had to break from that and 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 I'll tell you when I all of a sudden at this two speaker AA meeting I went into, it was a big one at a hospital and um, on a Sunday morning and I went in there and that morning I looked out over this lake that I lived near and I saw the first bald eagle I had seen in years. And, and I thought maybe that was some kind of sign. I thought, wow, God, that is so cool. What a beautiful thing. And I went to this meeting and all of a sudden they broke into the Lord's prayer at the end. And it, and I just, I had no idea. I had no idea that I was going to sense this, this instant forgiveness. But what I, what I didn't know is that I was, was with someone who was never going to forgive me for anything. And that I over, I was told by different counselors that I really was overvaluing the truth. So flash fast forward 2019. And so I've got one daughter who's going to school. I've raised both my daughters ski racing and I'm a ski patroller during the winter time. And, uh, my one daughter's gone to a really <laughs> funny enough. We went to a fashion school in New York city, just like my biological mother had. And, um, <clears throat> I, I don't know exactly what I did to completely deserve this, but the, there were a few things that occurred. And as I was uh, becoming more computer adept, I started to get, you know, on a Facebook, make uh, recognize, you know, I, I was, I was kind of, I, I was given a hard time in my own household for not caring that much or paying attention to politics. And part of that was, you know what, I'm not going to take anything personally or worry about everyone else's issues. I'll worry about my own life and try to manage it as best I can. And what I couldn't help but see was the uh, amount of deception and the, um, you know, what was happening with, with, this, uh, I love the word conspiracy, the term conspiracy therapist, who actually is coined by the guy in Snafu Radio, Scott Rich Richardson is his name. And um, I've kind of made friends with him over the last couple of years. And it, it just, I, I don't know why, but for one reason or another, uh, because I prescribed more to I become, I became, I prescribed more to religion. I started listening to, to bards, you know, and I was listening on a flip phone. Jeez. I mean, just a year plus ago, I got a, I finally got a, an Android that I could actually, uh, 
listen to more than a little bit of data. And it's, it's just a real challenge. And it's been a challenge to, to talk to my daughters because I'm, I'm dealing with what I've learned is, is, is a, a, uh, narcissistic parental alienation, um, syndrome basically where my daughters uh, who I barely had a bad word with ever. They, they don't talk to me and they literally, I was there, uh, independently and I did so much with them. And when I was younger, you know, and this is where I envy people who are, have younger kids because no matter what it, I was a superhero when I came home and when I go to those AA meetings, when I back, when I did go to those meetings, I would come home and I would think, wow, you know, at least my kids, they still think I'm this, I'm a, I'm a great guy. And, and I, I'm really not a bad guy. What I am is an empath. And, and, uh, I, I'm, I, I, I feel a lot and I try not to feel so much. So anyway, all the strategies I ever tried, um, nothing got me to where prayer did. And it's, it's, it's with, it's in also, you know, the struggles that I've had, my buddy Frank who took himself out, I told you about who shot himself. You know, he said to me one year that I stopped and I was working with him because, you know, why do you go all over the world? Why do you do this? Why do you do that? He goes, you know, I guess if I didn't know where I came from, that's what I would do too. And I thought, you know what, maybe that's something about it has taken away my, some of my fear. Anyway, three and a half years ago, I stopped drinking and I went cold Turkey and I haven't been in a meeting since then. And I, I didn't even go to a meeting. You know, I, I literally quit about a month and a half before this, this flu, this Fauci flu hit. And and lo and behold, I saw this writing on the wall with the vaccine. I saw the the deliberate screwing of our economy occurring. I, I was on, back then, two years ago, I was still on Facebook, you know, congratulating the state of North Carolina three months into it, that they had 346 deaths. And uh, aren't you glad you shut the whole economy down, you idiots, you know? And I couldn't help it. I was right. I was... Uh, to the point that I would put in, I would be writing the text onto something on Facebook and there was somebody literally censoring it as I was writing it. And it got hey. deeper than that. <laughs> hey, John. Hmm. So you had mentioned a few scriptures when we were talking before you came on tonight. Did you want to kind of go yes. into that a little bit? I do. I do. Because what what I feel and, and, and what resonates in my, my mind and, and Hey, let's face it. This is why, this is why the Jews didn't like Jesus so much because he did let them know that just this John one, 12, 13, but to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. 
And I, I realize over time that blood is, the blood relation is over, overrated. And what's saddening, especially about that with me, is that my two daughters, my only blood relations on earth, I can be right next to them, literally right next to them and, and not acknowledged. And that's been a challenge. And you know what I have to do is I give it over, over and over. And I pray and sometimes wake up a little tearful, but I'm thankful that my daughters are at least, they seem to be safe and healthy with what they're doing, even though they just beyond what I, what I can even fathom. Um, so the way that they, they, don't acknowledge me. And, and, you know, I would come across as, as the, uh, you know, the, the heterosexual overreactive white male, you know, the, 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 and, and um, I, so I've had to, I've had to temper and be quiet about how I feel about things and who I am and even my faith, you know? And so what it came down to in my own house is that I was told, that I was in a cult, that I was a, in a cult, a conservative cult. And the fact that I hadn't gotten vaccinated was, um, you know, all over my extended family. You know, I was, I was, I was disinvited from holidays and uh, all that other fun stuff. But you know what? I just choke it up and I have patience and I, I have love in my heart. And, um, I, I don't know beyond that. I am just very thankful and I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been brought to real, just the, just, just the edge of, um, I don't know, realizing how wonderful this is, what, what you're doing, what you and Ron are doing, Mary Punky, Mike, you know, what, what Kesterson has done. Um, it's, really, it's really, really, it's what God has done, you know? Well, it is what God has done, Mary. And, and I agree with you, but Amen. you know, it, it took, it took a branding. It took a way to prescribe to to it, it it took it a method to to bring it to certain people's attention and i think that that we all we share a, a, such a common ground yes and it's god but it's also an understanding of truth and a willingness to 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 bring light to that well, yeah, absolutely. And I used to be shy. I used to be a lot more shy about that. I have to say. So can anyway, you, can you? Mary. Um, so, would you be able to talk to us a little bit about? Um, it sounds like you have had, um, you know, some interaction with God during you know the times at the camp, and um, later on maybe with some of your family. But can you talk a little bit about? Um, where you've kind of finally felt like you got it as far as um, salvation. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to throw you some things. Sure. <clears throat> this is, and, and I, I believe that there's, uh, uh, I'm a little bit of a numerologist. So I believe in the numbers come into a lot of this stuff. 
So I told you about how my Aunt Bernice died, right? Told you my fat Aunt Bernice died. She died on April 4th, 2004. And um, about a year later, and I wasn't really aware of the date, you know, my my wife actually at the time, my wife, she she told me that she was going to make it so that my family never, my father wouldn't know my daughters. He was not going to know these kids. And it was literally the night that my second daughter chose her, chose her own birthday um, on an unscheduled C-section. She was scheduled for the 14th, but she died. She, she was born. 4-4-2005, exactly a year after Aunt Bernice, at about the same time at night, about 20 to 12 at night. And the next morning I woke up and I told my father, hey, Dad, I got another kid. He said, wow, John, that's something, you know. That was my father's birthday 101 years ago. 4404 was his birthday. Now, I personally always had an obsession with the number four. Um or or just really felt connected to the number four for some reason. And my old, like, you know, we do the prayer on bars every, it's 111 on the West Coast. So I, my prayer has always been, and all my friends know it, I always prayed at 444. Oh, shit. Pardon me, I, I apologize. I believe I just turned a... Oh, God. Hold on one second. I apologize. I've got to go out the door. See if I can turn this truck on and off. I think I've done that successfully. Okay, I'm sorry. Hello. Go ahead. Okay. Um, there, there are other, there are other numeric patterns that that have come into my life, and. Um, As far as uh, I can't tell you, but it happens to me several times a week that I have a number that I see one way or the other or a sequence of numbers um, that it's so personal. It's, it's, it's so weird to be honest, but I believe that that I, that I've been communicated with over time that, that think that, that either God or someone else is showing me some things. If not for a re if not, if God isn't just trying to entertain me to make believe in him and over many, many years, um, uh, I, I never had a question about God. My first near death experience, I was about 20, I was 20 years old and I flew off a motorcycle and as I was in the air I saw this bright bright yellow light and I and I really just at that point absolutely surrendered and I tumbled I was a passenger my friend he was hurt he shattered his foot lower leg pretty badly I kind of limped away from the thing but I I, I re, that was about the first real near-death experience that I had that I felt like I had been spared. Um, that happens with a lot of people, I think. You know? I believe so. You come I believe to so. A situation like that. So, 
is that when you um felt like god was real in your life or when you were um in that situation was god what i'm sorry mary was that when you felt like god was real in your life at that time if you, if you reached out to me. Uh, you know, I, I felt like God was real in my life from very early. I really didn't have a time that I felt that I can recall that I didn't believe in God, but I did struggle with it. Um, there were times that I definitely was kind of cocky and had this more academic view. And I definitely have more of a biblical worldview than I have since I was really a child. And I feel like I've, I've been, I've been, my eyes have, have been open, but they were open when I was a lot younger. And, and um, I, I feel like it's a progression and that there's maintenance to it also. And uh, that's getting back to, you know, I, 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 and I know I'm going way over time, but I said to my buddy, Fred, I'm down here doing some work in South Carolina. And I said, you know, Fred, I got a little anxiety about this, you know, and I'm trying to put it together, how I'm going to keep myself. And I haven't done it that well to keep myself from rambling. But uh, he said, John, you just got to pray. You know, and, and, and this is one of my lifelong best friends of 40 years now in my life. And, and he said, you know, John, when I feel like that, I just pray. And you've just got to pray. And, you know, Fred's got this neighbor, Larry, and Larry wanted to show me, <laughs> Larry wanted to show me all these, how much he likes the second amendment. And he was showing me all his different things. And, and, and he said, yeah, but he goes, but I'm not a militia. I'm not an, this is, you know, I'm not this. And I said, you know, Larry, I've known you for six years now. Whenever I come down here, what it seems like you do with me is that you always bring it back to the gospel and teaching Jesus Christ about Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, Larry, you are, you are a warrior. I say, you know, you are, you've, you've got, you've got the shield, you've got the armor, you've got the sword. And that was just a week ago I was sitting with he, this the old Larry and Daryl, they're the neighbors down the road here. And uh you know, these these old these are older guys that I be I became friends with when I did some work down here years ago. But it seems we're um more and more, more and more I find myself talking to people about Jesus. Sometimes just in a in a shop. You know, and there, there have been other times that I've been, I've been there to help people out. A, a friend of mine years ago seemed like he was going to take himself out and he had kids and his dad was his golden gloves boxer. His dad, Smitty is this kid's name and <clears throat> about 10 years younger than me, he was drinking something fierce. And, and I wasn't for this, my first sabbatical from alcohol, I wasn't drinking for about a year and a half. And his dad and brother called me up. They say, Hey, John. They said, you know, Brian really respects you. We want you to get over here and help him get into something. I said, geez, well, well, you want me to come right now? Okay, I'll I'll be over. They said, yeah, John, you know, Brian's a little tough, too. We want him to ride with you, and we'll follow you in our truck. I said, oh, oh, that's great. Okay, all right there, Tommy. You know, you you guys follow me. And, And I took this guy. I was completely unqualified. Maybe I've been sober for about, you know, 10, 11 months, and, I brought this guy in for, 
and for a uh, an intake, you know, and gotten him got him brought in brought into this one facility. He was it, it, the intake was done at this one facility, and I I had, I had him at the hospital before that. His brother and father followed me all over. And the guy got up the next morning and walked out. But what it did was it gave him a, an incredible reality check. And when I've gotten into trouble, it's just, or when I've had issues, it's been in what goes around comes around thing, you know, where his, his father literally said to me when I got myself into a little bit of a jam a few years ago, he said, you know, he goes, you know, John Emerson, you know, he, he saved, he saved my son's life when he, when he took him in like that and took that time with him. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I, I believe that what goes around comes around in this life and that there are some really funny things that happen. And, um, you know, I, I believe that it's all attitude and, and if you can share God's light, if you can reflect the goodness back into someone, if, if you have the ability to, to really shine and to make someone feel tingly with the understanding that God is there, that's, that's where I like to get. And that's, what, that's, where I feel like, that's where I feel like we're going. So you mentioned a couple other verses. Um, you talked about John, but there was a cut, one in Ecclesiastes and then another in Hebrews. You want to talk about that for a minute? Sure. Okay. Well, Hebrews and in Hebrews, this is, this is just brilliant. And it really gets, this gets down literally to the root of what is important about the truth. What is important about the light getting in and it's Hebrews four numbers, 12 through 12 through 13. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intention of the heart. And before him no creature is hidden, but all are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Um, wonderfully self-explanatory and i really believe that we we have to we have to know our we have to know our vulnerabilities and limitations and it and the the real base of this for me is that if you feel like you're following like you have a conscience and you feel uh, for me, I, I don't understand how, how people would read this and not get it, honestly. Um, and I don't know how, how some people don't, don't have a conscience and realize the magnitude of the truth and the magnitude of the word of God. And the, the word is, Getting back to Ruiz, the word is our ability to use the word is is a, a, a gift given directly to us by God, and we have the ability to make 
our dream or our life, good or bad, with that. That the word is the most powerful thing. And the word that we know, the word that we study and follow, is the most important thing. Yeah. Because words are what leads to action. It's the spirit of the spirit, the word of God. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I think we're kind of coming up on uh, some time here where we need to, we're, we like to do the salvation call here on the Godcast. So, okay. Um, I don't know if you've got anything else you'd like to add, John, before we move on to that. But thank you for uh, sharing your story tonight. Well, thank you. And um, thank you so much. Thank you so much, John. We appreciate it's you taking time out of your life to come and share here with us at the podcast. Bless you, brother. You are brother. a blessing to us. Yeah. Well, brother, this is a this is quite a journey and and I thank you for for taking the time to let me get through this also. Oh yeah. Praise God. So Mary, I've opened in the opened up the call in feature. Call ins are open. Okay. So we like to share the gospel here on the Godcast. So if you're listening tonight and you feel like you're wandering around in, in your life and you're not sure what the meaning of it is, there's somebody here that knows the meaning of that, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's here with us tonight. So. We'd like for you to reach out to him if you can. So, you know, even if you if you're at a place where you just have a lot of questions, um, the Lord is here to answer those questions. Yes, I wanted to, um, Mary. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but sure. One thing I keep forgetting to do is one thing that I wanted to re-mention is that we did have an episode that was. Um, 100% on salvation, the whole episode of salvation. If that's something that we can um, just bring to the attention, bring to the attention of our listeners one more time. That is episode eight. If you'd like to hear um, our episode eight with Pastor Ethan Holmes, did a, our full Godcast on salvation. Um, so if anyone's listening on the recap or the replay and they, they'd like to go back and listen to that, and I think we're going to have Pastor back here just for an open Q and a, um, in the next month or two, we'll get him back here. But for our listeners, if you'd like to hear more about salvation, please reference our episode eight with pastor Ethan Holmes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, in that message, you talked a lot about there's a, the problem is sin and the solution is Jesus Christ. And then, but that does require a response from us. And so that's what we're asking here tonight. So we're giving, you know, anybody who's listening tonight live, we've opened up the call lines and you can call in and have that response with the Lord. And one way to do that is um, laid out in Romans 10, 
9 and 10. And that is if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For the it's with the heart that one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So it's it's a matter of believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. And so if you if you want to do that right now, you can call in if if you're listening to this later on. You know, you can just do that right now where you're where, right where you're at. If you're sitting at the kitchen table and you're listening to this, you know, you can just call up to Christ right now in this very moment and you can be saved. And also there is a, um, you, know, you can say it in any words, the however you want it to the Lord, but there is a prayer of surrender and we have it on our Godcast Telegram page. And I'll just read it here. Um, right now for the benefit of those who may want some guidance into that. And it goes, Dear God, I come before you today with a humble heart, and I surrender my life to you. I believe that Jesus Christ was born free of sin, died on the cross as payment for my own sin, and he rose three days later. I believe in your gift of salvation and eternal life because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. God, today I repent and turn from my old way of life. Today I ask for a new life through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, for forgiving me and making me brand new. In Jesus' name, amen. Did we have anybody call in, Ron, or is waiting? Uh, no. Okay. Well, like I said, if you, if you have... Um, Confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that you need Jesus. Welcome to the family. We're happy you're with us. And Praise we'd God. like to support you even beyond this. So just reach out to us at this is an official Godcast yes. at gmail.com and we'll be able to we'll be just glad to connect you with a Bible and some people to support you. Yes, thank you, Mary. All right, Punky. John. You guys are podcasters. Mary, I heard you got a cool podcast too. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Before we get out of here, before Mary goes to ending prayer, just a couple more announcements. But uh, Punky, please tell our listeners one more time where they can find you in your podcast. Uh, yeah, so Wednesday nights, our, the actual podcast uh, channel is called... Um, Casting Lots podcast. We're on Telegram and I think we've got, um, we're on Apple Podcasts, obviously Podbean, Spotify, Amazon, iHeartRadio. Um, and we do Unschooling Scholars, which uh, it's just, it talks about homeschooling, unschooling your children. You know, we kind of were brought up in this, this system and we're trying to break away from that, you know. And for me, um, we're building a foundation in Christ, you know, with my kids. Um, and so, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, just how we, we intertwine God and Jesus in, in our homeschooling. And then on Saturday hey. nights, um, we also have the Casting Lots uh, podcast, which my husband, Matt, he's on there with me. And we just talk about, you know, different current events and, and conspiracy theories. And, you know, it's more fun. And that's at 
10 p.m. Central Time, Saturday nights. And Unschooling Scholars is Wednesdays, 6 p.m. That's yeah. a good time. I really love your show, Punky. I don't get to catch it live very often, but I listen to it on the replay and I really enjoy it. And I really like it when you're, you and your husband are on together too in the later <laughs> evening. When Sometimes he has to edit it though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, I like your unschooling scholars. I love when your kids are on it and they're interacting and having a good time and it's good stuff. They, sometimes they want to be a part of it. And other times they're just like, can we go mom? You know? Yeah. So I yeah. try to get them on as, yeah. as often as I can, but sometimes they just really want to go and play. And I'm like, go ahead. You know, while it's still daylight out. So well, I've got to say, you're such a blessing to Bards Nation, everything that you've done for Bards and, and Scott and Duncan and everyone's podcast, you've been more than willing to help out in any way possible. And you always jump right in and Jumping with two feet, lean right in, and you are a blessing, right. Punky. So thank you so much. I know you're a super mom, you're a super thank wife, you. you're a super person. You are a blessing. Thank God for you I and being part of this. And yeah, thanks for having me on here. Like your show, I'm sure you probably y'all have reached more people than you realize. You know, and um, we need more of this. You know, we need. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people truly know what salvation is, and I don't think that they really understand. How simple it really is. You know, you just yeah. give it all up to God, to Jesus, accept him in your heart. And, you know, I think we live in a world where they confuse us on everything and it they make it seem like it's so hard and we're just terrible people. And, you know, we're going to burn forever, you know, and it's not like that. That's what grace is all about. And once you truly understand that, you know, and you guys spreading that to everybody and, you know, hearing the different testimonies like John tonight, you know, some of us were so different yet we're so much alike and we yeah. don't realize it you know and it's when you hear somebody else's testimony it's like wait a minute god can love me too jesus can forgive me yeah. you know so yeah you guys yeah. Really are doing a great job so you just need may to i mention can you hear me yes john may i mention one other coincidence a serendipitous one sure yes. one that i failed to mention before okay uh that is that is with this is really cool Okay, so Punky, several months ago in December, um, and I was going through, uh, obviously, just get it, pushing myself through a pretty hard time in a way. And Punky saw on chat, she asked me if I had gotten a Founder's Bible yet. And I said, you know, I'm going to invest in one of them in a couple months. And uh, say, well, she said, well, you know, I'll, I'll let you know. Give me your email. And let me know where where um, you'd like, and I can tell you where to order it and everything. And before I knew it, Punky sent me a Founder's Bible, <laughs> and just and I said, well, let me send you that. No, 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 that's from my family to yours. And you know, I I was in tears, and I said, you know what, Punky? I said, sister, I'm going to return. I will pass this favor on, and you'll see. I have. A list of three people now, but the first person that I gave a founder's Bible to just stopped down here. And that's my buddy Fred <laughs> Frost. And you know what's so funny? I was listening on January 8th to Bards FM in the afternoon. And guess whose birthday in our family is January 8th? Well, Punky. Well, Punky. Uh -huh. Yeah. My buddy Fred Frost, the first person I ever sent a a founder's Bible too. I realized what a phenomenal resource. And this guy is such a reader, teacher, preacher's kid, musician. And his birthday is January 8th also. 
So I return the favor to someone with the same birthday, unbeknownst to either of us. See, that's, really that, cool. that podcast. that's a cool story. <laughs> that's very cool. I right. wonder how it came to be yeah. that you and Punky would be on the Godcast at the same you know what I mean? How, how does that happen? Does anybody know how that happens? Anyone? Do you know it's something it I've been wanting cast. since since we set this up? I've been wanting to tell you that, and I wanted to wait. And I said, God, how come that's not on my outline here? So, uh, yeah, I got how it did out. you forget that? Sorry, I'm sorry for the delay, Palky. No, God bless no, you, that, sister. Yeah, you're absolutely <laughs> welcome. God put it on my heart that night, and I was just like, all right, Lord. You know, I, I really I didn't know you very well, and I said, well, he needed one, so. You know, what better gift to give somebody than the Bible, right? God has perfect oh, timing. And, and John, before we, get into a, before we get into a in prayer, John, please tell us one more time about Jack the Bridge. Tell us about your podcast, where we can find you, what times and where. Well, um, as it is now, because I, I, I'd like to get set up a little bit better, and I will invest a little into, into kind of recording and, and working on my technical prowess because it's lacking. You know, I'm, I'm a carpenter here uh but uh bottom line is jack the bridge is uh based on sacred readings religious readings spiritually based readings and um obviously revolving around christianity um and and bringing light to different people different authors different essayists like ralph waldo emerson um Nikos Katzenbakis, who wrote The Last Temptation of Christ, uh, people who really struggled, a lot of them struggled with the duality that we, we all do. And um, anyway, so I just completed the, the reading of The Last Temptation of Christ this morning, and that's 33 chapters. And I got into wanting to read to people because I've done it and it's helped people out, it seems. And I first read Job to my dad back when he was dying, you know, and he said, John, you got to have the patience of Job. John, you got to have the patience of Job to deal with that, Karen. I hope those kids that are, I hope they appreciate that, that you make chicken and dumplings, that you build all this stuff around the house. I say, hey, dad, do you ever sit and read Job? You ever hear the whole book? And he said, no. I say, well, I guess you're gonna. And I read him all of Job and finished with that phenomenal conclusion the last last hour of his consciousness, I finished Job. Uh, That's beautiful. Which is Thank such you. a phenomenal story. Yep. Anyway, sorry. Thank you for sorry to keep that. going here. No, that's okay. <laughs> that's all right. Conley didn't have a show tonight, so but we are running up against the uh, pod being two hours automatic okay. shut off. So we don't have any control over that. Oh. So all right. Well. Um, I think maybe we'll do a closing prayer and then maybe have a couple announcements at the end. Is that what we want to do? That sounds perfect. Thank you, Mary. Okay. All right. So um, song scripture in my thoughts, she had to leave, but we're going to lift her up anyway and her grandson in the prayer. So, And she's going to be praying in agreement to that. So that's the wonderful thing about prayer, right, Lord, is that yeah. you're just all over it. You're all over it, Lord. And so we just want to, first of all, thank you, Lord. We thank you for John, and we thank that, thank you that he's um, come on tonight and he's been sharing 
um, about his life and about how you have intersected at times with him, Lord. And um, we just want to pray a blessing over John right now and his family and his work and um, even his friend who stopped down here to down tonight. We're going to pray a blessing over him. And um, we just pray that everything that you um, would share, even going forward, you know, Lord, he talked about sharing you. And so we just pray that all of those conversations that would be coming up would just be glorifying you and everything that John says and does. And we, we ask for all sorts of blessings to be poured upon him. And Lord, we want to lift up song scripture in my thoughts. Um, that's her handle here in Podbean. And she has a grandson named McKay. I think that's how you pronounce it. But Lord, again, you know how to pronounce it. So um, we just want to lift up uh, him as far as his faith. And um, there is a struggle between Hindu and and your truth, Lord. And so we just pray that your truth would reign over everything in his life, that it would drown out all the other voices, and that it would be your voice, Lord, that he hears. And we, we also pray that over his father and his family, and that the truth of, of your gospel message would drown out anything from any other other religions or beliefs, Lord, that that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And so we ask, Lord, that um, just a special blessing be poured over that family and that um, discernment would be, gifts of discernment would be given. Thank you, Jesus. And if anybody else had any prayers tonight, Lord, again, you know, you know, you know everybody's challenges and everybody's hearts and where they are tonight so we're just going to pray in agreement with that and we want to you know we have praise reports of just lord people that have been healed you know and just all these all these awesome things that you're doing so we just want to praise you and thank you for that and you deserve all the glory in everything we also want to lift up anything that was said tonight, Lord, that it would intersect with somebody and their search for you. We want all hearts to know you and to believe you and to love you because you just, we love you because you first loved us, Lord. And so thank you for that. And I just want to lift up um, everyone here that's listening tonight and anyone that would listen in the future, just that their, their life would experience you. And so Holy Spirit, just pour out, pour it out. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Mary. Amen. Thank you. I still got you, John. Are you still here? I'm still here, Brother oh, yeah. Ron. 
Okay. All right, John, thank you one more time for joining us. We greatly appreciate you taking time out of your life to come and spend it with us and share what God's done in your life. You are a blessing, brother. Thank you once again. And oh, Punky, thank, thank you. Thank you all so much. Thank you. And Mary, thank you. You are a blessing. So good to be surrounded by good people. Thank you all for joining me tonight. Yeah. You made this beautiful and painless. Well, I was happy to that it turned out that I could, you know, come on tonight. And I get to I get to watch the wild game too, because you know, I'm not gonna be at the concert. So it's a it's a twofer for me. Very cool. <laughs> All right, I'm going to do a couple quick announcements. You guys stick around here on Zoom here with me. I'm going to play one song, and then we'll get out of here, and then we'll do a little uh, post-show post party, have a little fun, say our goodbyes. And then uh, for our listeners, thank you so much. Um, I greatly appreciate you guys being here as well. Don't forget, there's it's Friday night. Friday night's hopping on Podbean. There's no reason to go anywhere at all. Starting in the next hour at 9 p.m. Eastern, we're going to have Scott bards he doing the barzy show and we're gonna have kilted christian at 10 30 and then scott's pulling the midnight shift once again doing fishers of men at midnight eastern uh, also next week we have don't forget next week right here on podbean if you want to be here for the live chat 7 p.m eastern time podbean we have shemaine nugent from the shemaine show and we're very excited to have her as a guest looking forward to that yes. um and uh the week after that we have uh, CJ Hicks. CJ Hicks is a member over at the church I belong to, Cedar Creek Bible Church. So that's going to be awesome. He is um, he's one of our senior guys there. He's a young guy, but he's a senior guy. And he teaches our Sunday school. And uh, his father was actually one of the, um, his father and his mother were the two that, that did my discipleship with me. Uh, in oh, order to become awesome. a member of the church, you go through a discipleship and they had in my discipleship, CJ's parents. So it was pretty awesome. And then, um, cool. their, um, his parents, their, their son-in-law actually discipled my two sons through the discipleship program at church. So oh. that was awesome as well. So nice little tight knit family. We'll have CJ coming, uh, Shemaine next awesome. week. And, and then little uh, red rocking chair. She's after that. And then we have the little red rocking chair. Yeah, That's right. On the 12th. So. so we have great guests coming up. So please join us again every Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern, right here on Podbean. And uh, please, my dearest friends, let us not forget we are here for one reason and one reason only, and that is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Savior. So if there is someone in your life that you love, please share this with them. They need to hear this message. Good news right here on This Is an Official Godcast. All right, I'm going to head into some music. Anybody got anything else? We're going to head out of here? No, I think we're good. All right, final goodbyes. John, Jack the Bridge, John Emerson, thank you so much once again. Thank you, brother. Thank you, sisters. Okay, make sure you hang around on Zoom for the after show. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'm hanging on. All right. Night, guys. Try to bring me to the knees And it's overwhelming Darkness echoes all around Feels like everything is crashing down Still I know where my hope is found And it's only you and ooh You say you're looking everything For my good and
drowning out the voices all around me through all of this chaos. You are writing a symphony, a symphony. Oh, my heart to your beat, and your melody, even when I cannot see. But you're orchestrated, even when the dark surrounds. You'll never let me drown. I know that my hope is found in the name of Jesus. Ooh, you say you're working everything for my good. And Thank you guys so much for joining us. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Yeah. Love you guys. Love you. Good night. <laughs>